0: section 9 of anthropology this is a libriVox recording all libriVox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org anthropology book 1 by immanuel kant translated by adolf ernest kroger section 9 part 1 anthropological didactic concerning the manner in which to recognize the internal as well as the external of man book first concerning the faculty of cognition general remarks concerning our external senses section nineteen we can divide the sensations of our external senses into those of mechanical and those of chemical origin to the former class belong the three higher to the latter the two lower senses the former are senses of perception superficial the latter are senses of enjoyment intense appropriation this is the reason why nausea an inclination to relieve ourselves of what we have eat or drunk by the shortest way of the oesophagus that is to vomit has been given to man as a vital sensation of unusual degree since so intense an appropriation might become dangerous to the animal but since there exists also a spiritual enjoyment which results from the communication of thoughts and which when forced upon us and is not healthy for us as spiritual food but found to be disagreeable as for instance a repetition of the same witty or supposed to be witty sayings and which may therefore also become unwholesome to us on account of the very sameness we call the instinct of nature to get rid of the spiritual food also nausea for the sake of analogy although it belongs to the internal sense smelling is as it were a tasting in the distance and forces others to partake whether they will or not hence it is as being opposed to freedom less social than tasting which allows each guest to choose according to his inclination amongst a variety of dishes or bottles without compelling others to partake of his choice dirt is called nauseating apparently not because it is disgusting to the eye or tongue but because it is presumptively supposed to arouse nausea for our appropriation of external things through our sense of smelling in the lungs is still more intense than that which occurs through the imbibing membranes of the mouth or throat the more intensely our senses feel themselves affected under the same degree of the influence exerted upon them the less do they teach us vice versa if they are to teach us much they must affect us only moderately. In the strongest light, we see, distinguish nothing, and a stentorian voice deafens, suppresses our thinking. The more receptive our vital sense is to impressions, tender and affected, the more unhappy we are, and the more receptive a man is to the organic sense, sensitive, and hardened against the vital sense, the more happy. I say happy and not exactly morally better is he, since he has the feeling of his well-being more in his power. That sensitive faculty which arises from strength sensibilitas seneca we may call gentle sensitiveness, but that which arises from weakness, from a not being able sufficiently to resist the impression of our senses in their effort to penetrate into our consciousness we must call painful sensitiveness questions section twenty which organic sense is the most ungrateful and also the least useful that of smelling it does not pay to cultivate or perhaps even to refine it for there are more objects of nausea especially in populous places than of enjoyment which the sense can procure us and our enjoyment through this sense can at the best be only fleeting and temporary if it is to give us pleasure but as a negative condition of our well-doing to escape inhaling unwholesome air the exhalations of stoves or of swamps or of dead animals are not to use mouldy materials for our food the sense is not unimportant the same importance belongs also to the second sense of enjoyment the sense of tasting but this sense has a peculiar preference in that it promotes sociability in its enjoyment which of the scent of smelling does not and furthermore in that it judges in advance at the very door of the entrance of our food into the intestines concerning the wholesomeness of that food since tastefulness of food is pretty sure to indicate its wholesomeness unless gluttony has spoiled taste by too much artificial refinement the appetite of the sick generally longs for that which like medicine works to their benefit the smell of food is as it were a foretaste it invites the hungry to partake of favorite dishes just as it repels those who are sated is there a vicariousness of the senses whereby the use of one sense can represent that of another we can coax the deaf to accustomed speech by gestures that is by the use of their eyes provided they have ever been able to hear or by observing the motion of their lips and even by merely touching their moving lips in darkness if they have been born deaf however we must change the sense of seeing which we do in the former case from the movement of the organs of speech from the sounds produced into a feeling of the movement of the vocal organs themselves but they will never thereby arrive at actual conceptions since the signs which they need for that purpose cannot be made universal the lack of a musical ear in cases wherein the mere physical ear is uninjured and in which cases a man is able enough to hear sounds but not tones to speak but not to sing is a deformity which it is difficult to explain in the same way we have men who can see well enough but cannot distinguish colours and to whom all things appear therefore as in an engraving the lack or loss of which sense is most important to us the sense of hearing or of seeing if the first-named sense were inborn it would be the least dispensable of all senses but if it is only the result of cultivation through the use of the eyes as has been explained the loss of it may be in some way replaced through sight especially if the sufferer is wealthy but persons who have grown deaf in old age miss this means of communication very much and while we see many blind people who are communicative, social, and gay at the table, it is a rare thing to find a single person who has lost his hearing otherwise than cross, suspicious, and dissatisfied in society. He sees in the features of the company present certain expressions of feeling, or at least of interest, and endeavors in vain to discover their meaning, whereby he is really condemned to solitude in the midst of society section twenty one it is further to be observed that we class among the two latter senses which are more subjective than objective a sensitiveness in regard to certain objects of external sensuous perceptions which have this peculiarity that they are merely subjective and work upon the organs of smelling and tasting by means of a stimulation which is nevertheless neither smell nor taste but felt only as the effect of certain fixed salts, that prompt the organs to specific expurgations hence these objects are not internally appropriated by our organs and actually enjoyed they merely touch our organs and are soon after removed but for that very reason they can be used the whole day long eating and sleeping time excepted without bringing about satiety their most common material is tobacco whether it be by snuffing it or patting it into the mouth between the cheek and the gums in order to stimulate the secretion of saliva or by smoking it through pipe-stems, as even the Spanish women of Lima smoke their cigars. The Malays use for the latter purpose the areca-nut wrapped up in a betel-leaf, and which has the same effect as tobacco. This longing pica is to be regarded apart from the medical good or harm which the clearing out of the fluid elements from both organs may effect as a mere stimulation of sensuous feeling in general it is as it were an oft-repeated impulse acting on our recollection to attend to our thought which would otherwise fall asleep or become tedious through uniformity and sameness this means of self-entertainment on the part of man replaces society since it fills the emptiness of time instead of a conversation by ever newly aroused sensations and very transitory but always rejuvenated stimulations concerning the internal sense section twenty two the internal sense is not pure appreciation or a consciousness of what man does for this belongs to the thinking faculty but of what is felt by man in so far as he is affected by his own play of thoughts it is based upon man's internal contemplation and hence upon the relation of our representations in time as they appear therein either simultaneously or in a successive order the perceptions of this internal sense and the true or seeming internal experience which results from their combination is not merely anthropological where we disregard the question whether man has a soul a special incorporeal substance or not but pathological where we believe that we perceive such a soul and where we regard the mere faculty to think and feel as a special substance inherent in man from the standpoint there is of course only one internal sense since man does not feel himself internally through different organs and one might say that the soul is the organ of the internal sense in this case we say of it that it is subject to illusions which consist in this that we either take its appearances to be external appearances thus confounding illusions with actual sensations or still worse hold them to be manifestations of another being of which we nevertheless have no external perception in which case the illusion turns either into visionary dreaming or into ghost seeing both of which conditions are a cheating of the internal sense both cases rest on a malady of the soul a longing to accept the play of the perceptions of the internal sense for experimental knowledge whereas it is simply fiction and often also a desire to plunge into an artificial mental condition perhaps because we consider it wholesome and elevating us over the commonness and lowness of sensuous perceptions and thus to cheat ourselves afterward by fancies formed in accordance with that artificial condition to dream when wide awake for in the course of time man comes to consider that which he has purposely planted in his mind as something which has existed previously in his mind and believes that he has discovered in the depths of his soul the very thoughts or fancies which are forced upon him this was the case with the visionary charming fancies of a berygnan or the visionary terrifying fancies of a pascal this dissonance of the mind cannot very well be put to rights again by rational arguments for what can these effect against matters believed to be actual the tendency to become absorbed in or turned in upon one's self together with the illusions of the internal sense arising therefrom can be brought into order only by leading man back into the external world and thereby into the order of things which lies before our external senses. End of section twenty two. Recording by Vivian Weaver.